It is Ignite Your Influence podcast time. Welcome. You're on episode 135, and we have a great episode for you. Have you ever moved somewhere new and suddenly find yourself with no friends and no business contacts and no social prospects whatsoever? That's where this week's guest, Lauren Paris, found herself years ago when she moved up to the city that I live in, Traverse City, Michigan, and she got involved. And in this episode, she talks about how she got involved, how she built influence, how she became a main player in the community here uh, over a short period of time. So jump in, enjoy this. She also tells us about her guilty pleasure at the end. So don't miss out on that. Enjoy episode 135 of Ignite Your Influence podcast. Hello and welcome, Lauren. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Anne? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you today uh, because, you know, you've made a really strong influence for yourself in our community through a lot of volunteer work. So I'm excited to talk to you about that. But before we do that, talk to me about your favorite holiday. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, and why, my, of course. My, yeah, my favorite holiday is probably Christmas. And I think it's just because for whatever reason, our family just has so many traditions for that particular holiday. So cozy by the fire, you know, I always decorate the tree. That's kind of my main gig. Um, you know, Matt helps me get to the top of the tree with <laughs> <laughs> my husband, Matt helps me get to the top of the tree with his height and the lights and, um, the cookies that, you know, my mother-in-law bakes and visiting family downstate. It's just it's just a time where I feel like, you know, you reflect a little bit and just grateful for everything. And it you've got your little ones too, which adds to the magic. Yes. yes. The Christmas magic is definitely alive with them right now. So it's really special to see them each year, just get more and more excited. And yeah. So yeah. And they're f- Christmas. They're three and seven, right? So, I mean, they're right in the middle of yummy Santa this. They are, they are the magic. And, you know, Eli really likes helping Ella, you know, better understand like here, Ella open this one now. And, you know, or let's have a cookie in a gingerbread house. And I'm pretty sure the gingerbread house is still sitting on our counter from Christmas (laughs) because they, they can't let it go. Um, and I still see them trying to sneak a couple pieces of candy off of it. I'm like, Oh, no, don't do that. (laughs) we're, we're past the expiration on that. I'm pretty sure, but it's penicillin by now. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, you moved to Traverse city. Now, did you grow up in Traverse city? No, I, um, I grew up in downstate Michigan. So outside of the Detroit area, um, in, and in 2011, I moved to Northern Michigan. So been here, you know, 10 years now. Um, and it feels like home. I love that. Um, but yeah, Matt, my husband and I both, we, we're from Southeast Michigan. All right. So when you moved here 11 years ago, you really didn't know anybody. Did you move with a job? I did. So I, you know, stockmonster.com every day looking for work up here. Um, Matt, who we weren't married at the time, but we were dating, he was up here full time. And so wanted to find a, a role up here that would be a good career move, a piece of growth um, that would allow me to, you know, to be with him and start a life together. So um, yeah, moved up here, you know, with a job in mind, but um, 
didn't, I, I knew two people I knew and they were through the dirt bike circle. So Matt rides dirt bikes and I had met them. Um, one was Andy wagon shoots, who was the coordinator for the chamber at the time. So, I mean, she knows everyone. Um, so that was a really great person to know and a great friend to have. And then the other person also through dirt bikes owned a daycare. So, um, you know, she's actually been, she's just amazing at what she does. Um, but knowing a daycare provider up here is very valuable as well. So I think everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So those were the two people that I knew, but other than that, um, it was Matt and that was it. Yeah. And of course you meet people through work, but you want more than just your work friends. So how did you go about sort of infiltrating the community? Yeah, it was, you know, I, was asking around what's a really good way to meet new people. Um, and obviously being connected with Andy at the time, um, she was like, I really think you should get involved with the young professionals. And then, you know, it was great priority health. My employer at the time was really um, supportive of that move. Um, so that definitely helped. Um, and for those of you who don't live in Traverse City, the young professionals is a group through the chamber for professionals under 40. That's right, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it was a great way to meet other people my age, um, you know, in similar phase of their career. Um, and just, it was a great way to learn about the community and then just meet other people. And so through that involvement, yeah, I, um, I really enjoyed it. got to meet a lot of people and then eventually started volunteering to help run the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were the president for a while there, weren't you? Well, I started on the marketing committee, so it was kind of just baby steps. You know, i I was like, oh, well, my degree's in marketing and they needed help. And so it was just seemed like a really natural fit to do in my spare time. Um, and I enjoyed it. And, um, and then, yeah, over time, you know, was able to become the, the, the chair for a while, two years. Nice. Um, yeah. Now, and so, I, yeah. So going back to 2011, when you first moved up, how did you feel about walking into that first young professionals meeting, you know, cause I mean, when it comes to networking and sort of infiltrating a new area and I keep using that word, but you know, yeah. getting yourself acclimated, it's nerve wracking to walk in for the first time. So talk to me about that. Terrified. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> terrified. You know, it's kind of like your first day in school, you know, you don't really know anybody, you don't know, um, you know, how they perceive you. And so, you know, it was, um, I'm pretty sure I, you know, I told my story about Matt and I, you know, 50 gazillion times and just sharing who I was, what I was passionate about. Um, and yeah, but it was terrifying, but it was really reassuring to see there were other people just like me in that group that were equally as terrified to meet new people, but we were all kind of putting ourselves out there, which was comforting. Yeah. And it's so nice to know, you know, when you, when you finally do put yourself out there, oftentimes you realize, oh, I'm not the only one and people are really nice. And, you know, that's a, one of the big things that I've been thinking about from an emotional intelligence standpoint lately is assuming positive intent. And when walking into a room of strangers, you know, you've got to, it's always, we think about the judgment, but it's always good to think about, there's probably some really nice people in this room. Yep. Yep. And there were, um, And some people had been around, you know, they grew up in the Northern Michigan, Mm -hmm. but they were still putting themselves out there for the first time in this group. So, um, it, you had a a really nice mix of everybody kind of in, in a different place, but they were all there for the same purpose, which 
Um, you know, when you're getting involved with something, I think if you're all there for the same reason, um, that's very helpful. Well, and just having a reason, you know, it's not just walking up to, you know, you know, into a bar and walking up to somebody like, Hey, I'm new into town. Don't have any friends, you know, like walking into a service organization or something like young professionals, you have a reason to be there, which, which is helpful. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And finding the way that you can contribute, you mm -hmm. know, in any way. Yep. Exactly. And that's a great way to find like-minded people who are positive and contributing and all of that. So where else did you get involved? Cause it wasn't, you didn't stop at the chamber. No. So yeah. So I did two years with the, the YP program as the chair. Um, and I, I put a lot of heart and soul into that role. You know, um, it could have been really easy to just kind of take the reins and just continue going, but I did a few things and a lot of work to kind of, um, uh, create some new programs and features of the program that I, for me, you know, becoming or ha being a newcomer that I felt could be of really great use for others coming into the program for, for the first time. So, you know, a mentorship program, um, and really converting our meeting time into, um, where we could learn about a new topic every time and having a set schedule. Cause a lot of people, you know, in, in that phase of their career, you know, they really have to carve out dedicated time. And so having a, um, a reoccurring schedule for that. Um, so getting my hands really dirty and getting in there and kind of trying to leave it better than, you know, I think every leader wants to be like that, leave something better than how you found it. So word, I think kind of spread that of how, you know, I got my hands in there. Um, and so then I was invited, um, to be a part of, um, the government relations committee with the chamber. So, you know, my role being in the health insurance industry, um, and healthcare, um, it was a great fit, but, you know, I think they knew that, you know, I, I wasn't afraid to, you know, share an opinion or a perspective that may be helpful. Um, so that was a really nice invitation to have. And so I'm still a part of that group. Um, and, and what does that group do? Just, I have, I've never heard of that. I didn't know you were part of that. Yeah. So the government relations committee, um, for Traverse connect is, is kind of a, a subcommittee that helps Traverse connect develop their, their initiatives for each year. So hmm. whether it's going after local policy, um, you know, agenda items, or, you know, even at the state level. So the Traverse connect is connected with the chamber Alliance, um, across Northern Michigan. And so they come multiple chambers come together um, to advocate for certain issues related to Northern Michigan and in our rural region. Um, and so our committee kind of helped shape um, what they focused on um, at Traverse Connect level and then also, you know, at the, the Alliance level as well. Very cool. And how do you think those connections that you've made both in the Young Professionals and in Traverse Connect in this Government Alliance organization, how do you think that network has helped you? Um, really, it's helped me better understand just even our community in general. Um, and then you get to know people in the process and share stories and experiences with them that are all related to what, what you're all trying to achieve. But that really is the natural, for me anyways, it feels natural to be able to work with someone in that capacity, get to know them, um, and then ultimately, you know, 
you, you build that relationship with them. And so, um, and getting involved with committees and, and boards and things like that, um, you know, it's one thing to be a part of them. And then I think it's another to, you know, what are your contributions to them? And that, that's what also helps make that name for yourself, that reputation that you want to have. And, um, for me, it was important that, you know, I, I was a doer as much as I could, you know, given capacity restraints and that, but I wanted to be known for someone. Okay. When you ask me to be a part of it, I'm going to get in, get my hands dirty. Um, and, um, that also limits how much you can commit to, um, when you're perhaps asked for a few different things, but that was really important to me. And I think, um, you know, you get to know other people and their work styles as well and how, Mm -hmm. what their contributions are. Yeah. So as you're chairing like something like the young professionals, one of the challenges, a lot of people who take a leadership role in an organization, especially like a volunteer organization is finding the help, you know, finding the help on some of these committees. How do you think, how did you build the influence with people uh, when you were, when you were chairing that? So you didn't have to do all the work. Oh yeah. Um, well, getting their their influence, their opinions, their ideas, mm. like bring, bring all of those together. So they're a part of the process, mm. um, in what you're building, um, come to an understanding of what, what the overall goal is to be, and then really staying very focused and true to that as you develop it. But, you know, it was interesting at, at first it started with, you know, me just having some ideas of what I would have wanted to see. Um, And then I quickly realized, you know, you can't do all this by yourself um, and you don't want to. Um, If it's a community (laughs) program, you want it to be reflective of the community and what everyone wants. And so um, I was able to tap into a few key people that were part of the YP group and they essentially helped help develop it. And also at the chamber, a lot of the leadership at the chamber was really instrumental. Um, But you got to bring everyone to the table all of their perspectives um, and what they're hoping to get out of it and create a really nice strategic plan, essentially. Well, and I love the way you're saying this because a lot of times leaders walk in thinking they need all the answers, thinking they need to have everything solved, thinking they need to have everything all laid out. But what you're saying is you get a lot more buy-in and a lot more influence and a lot more ownership if they're involved from the beginning with creating that strategy. Is that, is that about what I'm hearing? Yes, absolutely. Um, because then too, they're also going to be that same team of people that help you, you know, bring it to life and then continue to refine it. Um, you know, you want that sustainability for the program. It has to evolve, um, to stay sustainable and, um, you know, having them empowered own owning certain roles in that, Mm -hmm. um, and making sure that they're the roles that, that they have a passion for, um, was another big piece of it. Now, while you were there, did you ever have to hold anybody accountable if they weren't following up or have some difficult conversations in there? Um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it was really hard to ask a lot, you know, of, of people considering, you know, everybody had their own full-time jobs and this was kind of a volunteer thing. Um, and so, you know, you just had to be really careful about, you know, the level of expectation that you had from a time Mm -hmm. commitment standpoint. And just having very 
very clear communication and making sure you never, you were never asking too much of someone that they, you know, maybe couldn't provide, um, or, you know, making sure you stayed within the scope of which they wanted to contribute Mm. and, and also being prepared for whatever gaps there were that, you know, as a leader, you're either, you're going to find a way to fill that gap, whether it's with your own time or you're going to find someone else, you know, to, to help fill. Um, but that falls on you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. That's the scary part of taking that chair position, right? (laughs) Um, but that's such an important emotional intelligence aspect of, a leader like you or like me who steps in and says, yes, I'll lead this is that we've got to right size our expectations. You know, we're doers, we're the go, go, go kind of people. And not everybody is, or not everybody can be because they have a full-time job. Young professionals under 40 probably have young families. They've got a lot of responsibilities. And so making sure we're right sizing our expectations is another big one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Now you also did swing shift for the stars, which is a fundraising uh, swing shift and the stars. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Now, were you a dancer? I was. Yeah. So that's a little secret tidbit. I, yeah, I used to um, dance ballet, tap and jazz. And then uh, I taught for a long time in Southeast Michigan. And, and then when I moved to Northern Michigan, I taught for several years too. Very cool. So that got you involved with that fundraising program. Yes. One of the teachers at the studio was running um, Judy Harrison. She was running the Swing Shift and the Stars program. And so um, at the time, you know, it was the perfect fit. I mean, I, again, trying to build your, your community, your, all your friends, your network. And, um, and it, it connected with something that I love and have a passion for, which was dance and raising money for charity. I mean, it was kind of the blend of everything that I love. Well, and, and I love the way that you've brought so many of the pieces together. You know, you brought your hobbies together, you brought giving and getting involved with the community and your job to create this new sort of a new community for yourself or your, for your family now. Yeah, it's, it was, it was a lot of fun and, you know, you learn something in the process every time, um, with swing shift, you know, it, it brought on, it almost prepared me for children in a way. Cause you have to be <laughs> very patient. Um, you know, someone's learning something brand new for the first time. And I had that in dance, you know, teaching dance, but I would, you know, at that point I was teaching a lot of the older kids who had been in dance for several years. I mean, and so this was kind of like teaching someone from the very beginning and well, and, and you're taking just for people who don't know swing shift in the stars, this is a program where community leaders and influential characters in the community that people know do a dance routine with a dance professional like yourself. And so you're taking like shorts, um, Joe shorts, who, and the guy owns a brewing company. He's, you know, and he's never danced before and now he's going to get up and dance in front of the community. And so I can only imagine the nerves and the two left feet that walk into the dance studio for the first time. Yes. It's, (laughs) but it's such a fun process because you're, again, you're both in it for the same reasons. You know, you want to do good for the community. And I, for me, I just, I want to be a part of shaping the community that I live in. However, that presents itself, you know, and I found different avenues throughout, but yeah, this was a really great way because they hit on multiple charities and nonprofits within the, 
within our community that were in really great need. Yeah. And that gives you exposure to those people as well. And of course, all the wonderful people who are coming to watch the stars dancing and, uh, and, and the event that's a, it's a fun event. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So over the 11 years, as you've created and you've become a well-known influential person in Traverse city, what do you think the three key things that you did were to create that influence in the community? Um, oh, that's a good question, Anne. Um, I would say being okay with being vulnerable. Mm, what do you mean by that? So, you know, walking into the YP group for the first time, you know, that's a big vulnerability, um, that you're putting out there. And then another way is through my work with, you know, so I've served on the Goodwill of Northern Michigan board of directors now, as well as, um, venture North board of directors. And, you know, those are two organizations that I was familiar with, but I, I didn't have, I didn't know everything about them. And so being okay with, Mm. you know, raising your hand when, you know, Oh, can you explain this a little more? Or I'm, I'm not as familiar with this. You know, that's some vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, when you get involved with these, these activities and organizations that you have to be okay with. And, Mm. um, and so, and I do think, I mean, people, from my experience, people see that vulnerability and they appreciate it. And then they're, they're willing to be that much more vulnerable with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a big piece of, of building a relationship and ultimately getting the outcomes that you're hoping for in your, in your work. And, um, so vulnerability was a big one, um, being just very genuine and honest. Um, and I know that that might be just a, a, well, duh, (laughs) kind of a thing, but, um, but you know, it's really easy for you to sometimes to slip into being someone you think people want you to be. Oh yes. When you're in these roles and, um, and kind of, you know, you just staying true to yourself, um, the good and the bad, you know? So, you know, I, I certainly don't have strengths in certain areas and, um, you know, being honest with people about that and joking and, um, or even in serious conversations, I think just, you know, you start to build a reputation for yourself, you know, whether or not you're authentic in, in who you are and you're consistent and, um, and that may evolve over time, right. Who you are, but you're always kind of, you're the same person usually when people are meeting you, regardless of the setting. Mm, um, I love that one. Um, so vulnerability, being honest and genuine, um, and then really being consistent. Um, so no matter, I guess, what I involved myself in, I always wanted to feel like I, I was consistent in the amount of effort that I put forth. Um, and that is probably the biggest, the hardest one, the biggest challenge, the hardest one being consistent with follow-up and follow through, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people begin to rely on you and, and that's a a great honor. Um, so long as you can uphold those expectations and, and have that follow through. So, um, you know, making sure you're not committing to too many things that might, you know, prevent you from being able to be consistent and following through. That's something I've had to really juggle with over the years. Um, especially now that you've got the little ones. Yes. Oh gosh. Yes. 
and that's a whole nother full-time job. Right. And, (laughs) um, so yeah, making sure you're not committing too much and being spread too thin. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, you want to be known for that consistency and that follow through whatever level that is for you personally. Um, but you want to be known as, um, someone people can rely on. And I think that consistency is a big piece of that. Mm, I love it. I love it, Lauren. That's amazing. So it's, it's so inspiring to see somebody step forward and, you know, just build a really positive relationship for themselves. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been a fun, wild journey and, um, and a great honor, um, that you thought of me for the podcast. No, I was, I was excited to have you on. So I have one last question for you because it can't be all sunshine and rainbows. What's your guilty pleasure? Oh goodness. Um, my guilty pleasure is just eating way too much chocolate. No, (laughs) I don't know if that's an easy out, but that is the truth. I mean, I get myself into trouble. The reason I don't like Halloween or Easter is all the candy that's involved. I have no self-control, right? If Um, it's there, I eat it. (laughs) Yeah. So I've been known to sneak a couple pieces of candy in the coat closet away from my children. (laughs) Um, So that's my guilty pleasure is kind of eating more chocolate than I'm willing to admit. (laughs) Hiding in the closet, sneaking chocolate, making sure all the crumbs are off your face before you come back out. All right, kids, time for a nice, healthy dinner. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Eli found a couple of peppermint patty wrappers um, yesterday and was like, what's this? (laughs) I had to say, who left that there? (laughs) So He's getting too smart for you now, mom. (laughs) I know. I've got to find new hiding places. Well, Lauren Harris, thank you so much for your time and your insights on building a new community for yourself, because it is a scary thing to walk into a new place if you move for a job or a, or a marriage or just because you want to move. Uh, it's scary. So thank you so much for your insights today. No, thank you for having me, Anne. There you have it, folks. Episode 135 of Ignite Your Influence podcast. Thank you so much, Lauren Harris, for all your insights on building a new community when you move or when you go to a new job or when you go to a new city, because it can be scary and it can be done by getting involved, finding like-minded people and committing to lead wherever you can. So good luck, everybody. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe. Please leave us some love in in Apple Podcasts so that other people can find Ignite Your Influence podcast. And if you want more from me and Bonnie, go to yourchangespeaker.com. I will see you next week with another great episode of Ignite Your Influence podcast.